0: This is the Seafarer Investor Podcast, bringing you the tides of investing and personal finance from to millennial seafarers and alike. I'm your host, Soshin, a full time seafarer, value investor, and a personal finance enthusiast. Welcome to episode 5. And this episode will be my first ever podcast interview with someone that has more knowledge and experience than me when it comes to insurance. Even though I am an insurance agent myself, I figured it will be better to have him on the show share to us about insurance rather than me explaining it alone. We only not talk about what an insurance is but how to approach and incorporate it into your financial planning. We also talk about a popular insurance strategy called Buy Term and Invest the Difference, or BTID in short. Overall, it was a lovely conversation we had, which I'm sure the listeners will learn a thing or two. Now, without further ado, let's go with my conversation with the risk advisor. The Risk Advisor, Aljes Reyes. Welcome to the CIFAR Podcast. Hi. Yes. Thank you for uh, gracing my show. I mean, this will be my first um, interview and uh, yeah, I hope everything will be fine. So, can you share a bit of yourself for the listeners to know?
1: So, uh, let me introduce myself first. No? So, uh, I'm a CPA by profession and I've been working for more than six years already. So I used to be a risk advisor in a big four auditing firm, handling uh, FMCGs and insurance companies. So currently, uh, I'm an internal audit manager in a pharmaceutical company uh, while being an independent financial advisor and currently affiliated with both uh, AXA and Pacific Cross.
0: Mm, That's uh, that's a really good... um... Resume or <laughs> yeah so you mentioned that your in your your pen name somehow is the risk advisor so did you take it from being a risk advisor from those four big companies before
1: uh yes no basically uh my service line is risk advisory so that's more on uh uh supporting businesses no about risk so more on uh, audit and consulting
0: so it, it really the name there is advisor like matches up to your both jobs yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's a really nice uh, uh, match up and you've shared with me and I've read in your um, LinkedIn <laughs> that you're currently an internal audit manager um, and also I'm asked, just uh, curious what led you to become a financial advisor as well for AXA.
1: Mm -hmm. So basically, when I was an auditor in a Big Four uh, company, um, my job is more on to check the operations of uh, insurance companies on how well they are in financial, operational, and compliance perspective. So uh, during that time, actually, um uh, auditors uh should be independent. No, we are not allowed to have any financial products, no including insurance and other investments. So when I left the firm, no, I decided to be a financial advisor because uh the working knowledge, no, about the industry will be wasted if I will not it put to good use. So that's why, no, uh I decided to be one.
0: Mm. So it's more of like a personal philosophy and also for you to become an insurance advisor to make good use of your yeah. what you learned in the... Ah, I see. I see.
1: So basically, uh, it's an independent choice. Uh, I applied to AXA directly. no. So no one recruited me. So I chose AXA because... Uh, Axa is a number one insurance company globally and one of the top as well here in the Philippines with wide range of products so not limited to v o l s
0: mm, nice i see and also this got me uh, thinking um is it a norm among finance professionals to also become financial advisors
1: uh so yeah in my perspective no uh business pro- uh business finance professionals uh, still need a different set of skills, you no, know, to become a personal financial advisor. So, that's not yet a norm, you no, know, but an independent choice to join the noble profession. So, unfortunately, right now, the trend in the Philippines, uh, some only do it for money. As most, uh, financial professionals here are overworked, but underpaid. So, they look for some uh, Sidelines no, to have more income.
0: Yeah, it's so more on having multiple source of income. So, moving on, I mean, of course, we need to define first <laughs> what is an insurance? And can you also share why Filipinos need to have an insurance as part of their financial planning? Because, as I know, I'm not sure if in the recent studies that I think most of the Filipinos are not really insured in any way, except for PhilHealth, yes.
1: Yeah, you're correct on that. So insurance is basically uh, a risk management tool that will give us financial protection against uh, life uncertainties, uh, such as uh, death, uh, sickness, uh, disabilities, accidents, calamities, etc., so, uh, we only have three main reasons, no, why we get insurance. So that's, uh, love of our family, uh, security and peace of mind. So insurance aims to, uh, protect, no, what matters most to us while saving and investing to build our future. So as you know, no, the uh, insurance penetration here in the Philippines is quite low as compared to those companies, I mean to those uh, countries abroad. So that's uh, the reason why the insurance premiums here in the Philippines is more expensive compared to them. Mm-hmm. So we need insurance basically because we need to take risks. Because if we don't take risks, no, we can create our future. So insurance will secure us to focus on uh, what matters most in our life.
0: Yeah, I see the perspective. It's uh, to secure uh, what matters most. And then it's like protecting also your capital yeah, at the same time. So it's, it, insurance acts like a buffer in some yeah, way. It's
1: a safety net actually to prevent us from going into debt.
0: Mm. Yeah, and also you mentioned, yes, the uh, insurance penetration among Filipinos is low because uh, first, it's quite expensive. And what other factors do you also think uh, that why is it so low?
1: Mm -hmm. So actually, based on studies, um, the main reason is lack of income. Lack of income, and next is lack of financial literacy. So those are the main reasons why why only around 10% of Filipinos have insurance.
0: 10%, that's really really low if if you consider the population of the Philippines, it's around 100 million plus now. So that's...
1: So actually uh most of the persons there in the 10% are covered by group insurance you know, by their companies, so mm. only a few really have insurance that they bought on their own.
0: I see, uh, yeah, so it's really another aspect is to be to uh, spread more financial literacy among Filipinos, and I think that the, the trend now, and <laughs> I don't know what to say, but. On TikTok also, on Facebook also, it's more widespread. And it, it kind of helped um, put the trend higher.
1: Yeah, you're right. No, so that's basically um, the impact of mm-hmm. the pandemic right now. So more people realize, realize the importance of insurance protection. Because many people got sick, got hospitalized, and many people died mm-hmm. no, due to COVID. So, it uh, emphasizes no, the importance of insurance in our lives.
0: So, moving on to another one is, can we get your, you know, uh, not really in-depth meaning on every um, different kinds of insurance policy, but, but just an overview on the different ones that are being offered now, like uh, term, whole life, uh, VOL?
1: Okay. So, uh, basically, we have uh, three main types of insurance. So, we also have three licenses here in the Philippines. So, that's for uh, traditional life, variable life, and uh, general or non-life. So, for traditional, uh, we have what we call term insurance, which only covers you for a specific period of time, while paying uh, increasing premiums continuously. So, the second one under traditional is whole life. So, this covers you until you die while only paying fixed premiums for a limited period. So, the second type is uh, variable or VUL, variable unit link. So, here we pay a sum of money which is automatically allocated to insurance and investment, depending on the product design. So the investment portion may be higher, may also be lower. So it's an insurance with investment component. Mm-hmm. And it's not an investment with free insurance. So we should take note of that. Yes,
0: that's really important to take note.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, every. Uh, While well, the Third one, the general or non-life. So this basically includes all other insurance types. So mainly for property, our home, our car, uh, travel, uh, accidents. So all non-life mm-hmm. falls under this category.
0: Yes. Uh, now that you're um, putting out the descriptions of different insurance policies, it kind of uh, put me into another thought that why, I, I sorry to backtrack a bit, I mean, why do you think that insurance policies in the Philippines are expensive? Do you know the main reason for it or it's just risk being taken into account?
1: So uh, basically, it's about the risk and about numbers. So insurance is about numbers game. The more people to be insured, the cheaper it is. Because uh, the actuaries or these are the mathematicians who compute uh, the projections on how many people will die at a certain age. So the larger the population or the data set, the more accurate the uh, projections that they can do. So the cheaper premiums that they can uh, offer to the public.
0: So it's more of, uh yes, it's a numbers game at, at the same time is they're just um managing their own risks also. So Yes, that's right. It in short, it's still a business.
1: <laughs> yes, correct.
0: Yes. Um so yeah, uh just I just have to ask. <laughs> so another thing that I want to ask also is um because this uh, podcast is for targeted for seafarers, what do you think would be the best insurance for in our age group, you know, where I'm a millennial seafarer. And for context, um, we seafarers in general are not insured after finishing our contracts. <laughs> when we finish, when we when we step down from the ship and we go home in the Philippines, you'll you'll still be covered by insurance. But if you get home safely, you're not covered. So when unemployed, we're at the mercy of field health and SSS benefits. Plus, payments to this ones are, are are stopped because it's only being continuously paid if we're on board. So we also need to pay it manually when at home. And also another one is we have this called um, Amosop. It's a labor union of Filipino seafarers. And they also provide some medical care. The the predominant one is located in Intramuros. I'm not sure if you know that one. But the, also the thing with Amosop is it's not really accessible for every seafarers. I mean the other locations are in Cebu, Iloilo, but we're an archipelago, so it's it's not accessible for every seafarer. So in relation to that, what do you think is the best? Um not really the best, but you know, the the average consensus that you can offer to a seafarer.
1: so i see so actually in general no it, it still depends no, on the current situation uh, of the person uh, is he a breadwinner and has dependents does he have uh HMO or insurance provided by the employer so by default no securing our health needs should be the foundation no, if, of any financial plan uh, because uh you are the key to achieving your financial goals. So we should look first at uh HMO or medical insurance options, which pays which pays for the hospital bills. And uh life or uh critical illness insurance which pays you cash. So the minimum recommended uh coverage for health uh, is at least uh three to four times uh of our annual income, or expense. While for life insurance, at least uh, 5 to 10 times for annual income or expense. So, it can be higher if you have more dependents. So, let's say uh, you have a newborn child that uh, you left in the Philippines. So, you should consider uh, the time until the child becomes uh, Self-sufficient. So that's around uh, 20 years old in the Philippines. So you should have at least uh, 20 years worth of coverage. So now, uh, as to seafarers specifically, you mentioned that uh, normally you have coverage while you are on board. Yes. And uh, it ceases while you are uh, here in the Philippines. So the normal option is for you to have uh, life or critical illness insurance. Because for this, there's there's no uh, double compensation. So it's a benefit that uh, they will pay out whether you have other policies because they give you cash once the uh, insured event happens. Uh, as to uh, HMO or medical, uh, there's some tricky area because... Uh, they, it might require you to be a resident of the Philippines. It might require you to stay for like 180 days here in the Philippines for them to cover you. Since this, uh, HMO and medical insurance, uh, only, uh, caters to accredited, uh, Philippine-based hospitals as well. So, uh, this, this, uh, this medical insurance normally don't have that much flexibility. But in case now you will be staying here in the Philippines uh, longer than expected, you can consider to have one as well.
0: So the thing is, uh, I asked around and what they're saying is that um, most seafarers are having like eight months of contract (laughs) on board. And they only stay around two months or three. Three months is, I think, for families are usually long but yes they only have a short stay so the usual reason that they have in not getting a insurance is they're not uh they're also insured in the ship so they say it will be kind of redundant to have both but i was seeing your point to having life uh, insurance so that by the time of the retirement they will be still compensated and at the same time, if something happens to them in the ship, they will uh, still be uh, paid out because there won't be any double compensation.
1: Yes, correct. So, also, no uh, based on your occupation as well, uh, you have higher risk when you're on board. That's normal, right? Yes. So, actually, no, for seafarers, uh, non-officers usually have higher premiums. Or uh, may even be declined, no, for some uh, insurance riders or benefits. It mainly uh, depends, no, on the actual occupational risk of the seafarer.
0: So that really like polishes up, basically, not only for seafarers but for everybody who wants to get an insurance, because you basically outlined the the checklist. Uh, okay, I. We can go over with the next one which is kind of a <laughs> um a hot topic being debated in the internet if you can see those comments. <laughs> so basically why is VUL usually frowned upon by financial circles?
1: So uh, I would say that uh VULs are not necessarily bad. Uh v- VULs bad impression was mainly caused by misleading explanations and promises by some agents who were only earning high commissions from their clients. So overall, uh, BOL is not a solution for all, but a situational product. It may work for uh, some people who only want to focus on their career or business and are not willing to put in time and effort to learn how to invest on their own. So, BOL, as mentioned a while ago, basically, you pay a sum of money, which is automatically uh, allocated to insurance and investment. So now, the reality here in the Philippines is that uh, Filipinos struggle to save and invest at the same time because they lack the knowledge, the skills, and most of all, the time. But we should take note that VULs are long-term products with unguaranteed returns. So these are intended for long-term goals as well, like retirement or for a newborn, newborn child's educational plan. So this is not intended to grow in a short period of time, like you want to have a new car, you invest in a VOL and wait for five years. Mm -hmm. So that's not the case for that. So VOL is mainly for uh, protection.
0: So the other way to see VOLs is that the investment component is more like a bonus other than the insurance itself.
1: Uh, Yes, but I would not say it's a bonus. Uh, It's incorporated in the plan itself. It's more of an automated investment.
0: But what can you say about the, you know, the reasons in, um, usually in, if you see in Reddit <laughs> about mm-hmm. people hounding on VOL as a scam, uh, their usual argument on it is that it has, one is as high management fees that eats in your returns, and then it also has a
1: it's high commission.
0: Yes, high commission, premium charges also. So what can you say about those um uh, bad reasons that is being wrapped up about ULs?
1: Uh so basically uh as to management fees, you no, know, these are comparable to mutual funds also here in the Philippines. But the thing is, you are limited to what is being offered by the insurance company. So if you check uh the details of the of their uh fun fact sheets. Uh, you will see that the management fee normally is from like 0.5% to 2.5%, which is normal here in the Philippines. So the thing is, we also have high management fee because of friction in the financial system. So there are a lot of charges as well. As compared to abroad, like U.S. ETFs, they have very low. Management fee, so that's not mainly caused by BOL, but by the financial friction. So second, no as to high premium charges, so these are mainly caused by high commission. So now the difference is that for term insurance, for example, uh, you pay premiums continuously, so low premiums but growing as you age. So the ballpark commission for that is around 10%. That grows depending on the premiums. So it's directly uh, linked as long as your uh, policy continues. As compared to VUL, wherein a big chunk of the commission is being charged in year one to year five. So I think for... Uh, year one, the average here in the Philippines is around uh, 30 to 40 percent. So why is that? So the main reason is that they are advancing the commission that should have been earned for 30 years and front-loading it to year one. Mm. So it's like same commission for a term insurance, but it is advanced. So
0: yeah, it's e- evenly spread out in yes, the future. Yes,
1: that's right. So you will be uh, like at a disadvantageous situation if you have a VOL in year one, then you cancel it because you already paid the 30 years worth of commission.
0: So that's the reason why fees mostly in VOLs are high because of those charges. But do you think, because yes, you, you mentioned that the banking system is the, the frictions, you know, because we have a lot of barriers before doing one transaction so those all core charges so do you think that the two percent you know management fee annual fee is the lowest that the insurance company can go or it's the fee that is where they are balancing between profitability and affordability
1: so to be honest the funds by the insurance companies are not the profit of the insurance company So, we have three parties which gain from policy sold. So, the first middleman is, of course, the agent with the highest cut. The second is the insurance company who earns profit from the premiums, from the insurance premiums. While the last is the fund manager who manages the funds and takes a cut for the 2% management fee. So, it's actually a third party. Who gains from that? So, it is not uh, the lowest they can offer. But, of course, when you're in a VOL, you're only limited to choose within the offerings of the insurance company. Unlike when you are investing on your own, you can choose where do you want to invest. You can invest in uh, low management fee ETFs here in the Philippines or abroad.
0: So... In general, now as um, relating to your what you said about VUL is VUL is mostly not bad, but it's situational insurance. So it depends on your situation. If you don't have time to invest, you can opt for VULs. But if you have time to dig deeper, just buy a more cheaper insurance and then you know invest the difference. So this is like a smooth transition to our uh, next question to you is what do you think of buy term and invest the difference or btid for short it's an insurance strategy now that has been really popular last few years
1: Mm -hmm. so basically i'm more of a btid fan now so most of the insurance policies that i offer are non-vols so actually last uh, year last 2021 I have no uh, VOL policy that was issued. All of them are traditional. Mm, nice. So, BTID is actually a strategy that was uh, developed or compared to VOL. Because uh, VOL is technically BTID. However, in VOL, the insurance company is doing the work for you. While for uh, BTID, you are your own manager you are the one to manage your insurance and investment portfolio. So now, uh, I would say that BTID is managing insurance and investment on your own without extra cost and charges. Now, since as mentioned a while ago, you pay commission on your investment component in a VOL. And you also pay the management fee for the fund manager which you don't have any choice. So BTID gives you flexibility to choose which investment vehicle is best for you. So it can be bonds, stocks, uh, crypto, mutual fund, ETFs, uh, MP2, etc. So you can maximize the, the fund that you will invest and BTID will not penalize you for change of mind.
0: True, true, yes so essentially b t i d was born out of v u l. s being really expensive, and you know it's much more cheaper, but of course, there's also risk because you're investing by yourself but seeing how low the the cost of investing now and how you know accessible investing for everybody now in our age, I think it's much more uh viable for people to go BTID instead. But of course, as you have said, it's still situational.
1: Uh yes, that's right. So it's still situational, but I still recommend BTID. Cause uh most people that falls in the VOL scam are those newly graduates or uh new employees. So thinking that they are doing the right decision in their financial, in their personal finances. So they think that having a VOL is having the financial freedom. So it's not like that. So as we know, uh, insurance is just a tool for us to reach financial freedom. So the common mistake as well is jumping into VOL without securing their emergency fund.
0: I was about to ask you about on what comes first: emergency fund or getting an insurance.:
1: So as to uh, the financial pyramid, or what we call a hierarchy of financial needs, the first or the first level, or the very foundation of that, is actually our income, our wealth building tool. So without income, we can't uh, reach anything. We can buy our basic needs, right? Yes. So after that, we should secure ourselves. So second layer is security. So emergency fund is basically our protection for short-term uncertainties. While insurance is for long-term uncertainties. So that's why uh, we need to secure first emergency fund for the short-term. Because in reality... If you, like, fired from your job, where will you get your uh, daily expenses for food and others, right? Most probably, you will not pay for the insurance premiums because you need money to eat. So, uh, the premiums for insurance should actually be part of the emergency fund as well.
0: Yes, I totally agree in every word you said and I can't possibly, you know, expand it more because you explained the details really well. <laughs> so yes, um it's been like it's, the, the the conversation we're having is really good and <laughs> I learned a lot actually about especially on how uh insurance really was divided into many parties as well. Yeah, and, and your thoughts on on having insurance at the same time. And, of course, in the VOL. So, you shed some unbiased light on the VOL because you know how VOL is in the internet having a bad rep. Yeah, so uh, where can the audience reach out to you?
1: Uh, so, they can contact me on my uh, Facebook page at uh, The Risk Advisor. And they can also access some um, non-VOL sample codes in my Google Drive through uh, bitly slash the risk adV
0: yeah I I can uh, put in the link in the description
1: sure sure my Facebook page is just a simple one so I'm not yet uh, posting a lot of stuff no so since I have uh, a limited time currently since I'm still juggling my uh, full-time job and of course no my advocacy no, to spread financial literacy
0: That's really amazing. So lastly, um, and also this will be a practice that I want to start asking guests at the end of the show. So what does a life filled with happiness look like for you? Uh, How does it translate to how you manage your finances? And ultimately, what advice can you share to our listeners so that they can have a happier life. <laughs> I know this is kind of like far from our topic, but it's nice to have like, you know, refreshing mood on the topic.
1: So basically, that's that's good to, uh, to think about, right? So essentially, uh, that should be our biggest why. Why we are saving, why we are having insurance, why we are investing. So we need to know our biggest why. So for me, uh, a life filled with happiness is living a stress-free and worry-free life with my family. So, I want to achieve uh, financial freedom to give my future family you know, the freedom to choose what we want to do. And of course, for us to be able to pursue our passion. So, it's like uh, money is just a second thought. So my advice to uh, the listeners is for them to dream big and uh be on top of their finances. So at some point also to be happy we should be uh contented you no know, for the things that we have and uh when the time comes no uh, don't be greedy. You no know? so always TP when happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh yeah and any last words that was a really uh, lovely <laughs> uh, description of happiness filled life so any last words that you you know like uh, parting words you can have for the listeners in relation now to insurance
1: okay so for that i think i would uh, emphasize that uh, personal finance is personal so it depends on your uh, situation How much coverage do you need, and what type of protection that will give you peace of mind? So there's uh, no one insurance that will fit all your need. So it will be a combination of different uh, products. And uh, insurance is not a one-time thing. So we should revisit it uh, every once in a while, especially if there are milestones in our life, such as uh, getting married having uh, a newborn child, or having a new business. So we should uh, look at insurance in a more dynamic way.
0: Yes. So that's another lovely (laughs) description that I cannot expand anymore into. And um, thank you for gracing my first interview for this podcast. I really appreciate you having here.
1: Sure, thank you for having me as well and doing this in a very nice way.